Hello, I'm Joanne Bailey Borsma, and this is Locally Entertaining. With us today is Grand Rapids Public Museum President and CEO Dale Robertson and Vice President of Marketing and PR Kate Kaczynski. Thanks for being with us today. Sorry about that, Kate. I'm trying, really trying to learn names here. <laughs> no so, problem. Thanks I'm, for having us. I'm so used to still saying more. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Me too, so. sometimes. So, um, so today we've got you guys in because you recently opened at the Grand Rapids Public Museum a, a really cool exhibit. I, I, I have to say I was really impressed when we had a chance to walk through it on Friday um, that deals with two pivotal points in America. And um, in fact, the exhibit is called Changing America. Um, Dale, can you tell us a little bit about the exhibit and how it ended up coming to Grand Rapids? Well, the exhibit does, actually, it, it, it covers two very important mm -hmm. activities or actions within American history, Emancipation Proclamation, the March on Washington, exactly 100 years apart. So when we first saw the name of the exhibit, even that was something that I had not even thought about, you know, that juxtaposition of those two actions 100 years apart. But how we got it is a, is a story, uh, well, it's a story in and of itself. So I happened to be reading an, one of those long reads in the Washington Post about a city in Alabama named Demopolis, mm -hmm. which would be a great name for a city if you're writing a novel, mm -hmm. isn't that right? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, Democratic, yeah, Democratic yeah. city, right? Yeah. Demopolis. It's 50% black and 50% white was the population breakdown. And they'd had a Confederate statue in the middle of town that had been there for years and years and years and years and, and was just part of the local fabric, if you will. Mm -hmm. So one morning, African-American policeman's making his rounds, falls asleep in his car and hits the pedestal on oh which dear. the Confederate statue and the statue falls down. So now it's, are we going to put it up? What do you mean you're going to put it up? Right? This is what it means to me. Well, this is what, what it means to me. And now the town is going through this process, and they, then they needed to find their way through a reconciliation mm -hmm. process then. Mm -hmm. And so the article's about all the steps that they, that they went through. Well, one of the things they did is they, they found out that this exhibit, Changing America, was traveling the nation. Now, it was being traveled by the National Library Association, but it was created by the Smithsonian Institute. So, you know, there is just a level of quality and accuracy mm -hmm. and factualness mm -hmm. that's just part of it. And so in talking at our staff meeting the following week, I said, well, what do people think about maybe seeing if this is still touring? So Kate says, I'll find out. <laughs> Little did you know what right. you were getting into, right, Kate? Well, and this is where it gets really good. So, really she, so she calls and comes back and says, well, it's no longer traveling, but if we pay shipping, They'll give it to us. Just, I mean, literally, like, give, give it, it to, to us. you. Yeah, it was done traveling, so they were looking for a space for it anyway. So they said we could oh, have it. It's yours. So we took it sight unseen. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, panel shows is what we call them when it's, you know, mm -hmm. just these mm -hmm. pretty much two-dimensional. Yeah. This is a little bit more than yeah. that. Um, can be okay. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we decided it's worth taking the... You know, it's worth paying shipping, let's just see. We got it, and, and there's some instructions. There's some complexity to set it up. Yeah. And the exhibit staff set it up, and the photographs were amazing. Mm -hmm. The text yeah. was superb. Mm -hmm. And we thought, you know what, this is something we need to do. Mm -hmm. And so then, as what we typically do, almost always do, with traveling exhibits, is we mm -hmm. put a West Michigan twist on it. So this is a traveling exhibit. It's ours. 
But then we went through the process of, okay, how does, how can we connect this to our own, our own community? And then that's where the partnerships began to take place, the African American Museum of History and, and, and Archives, and then just a lot of other local, local groups that helped us uh, create a story around, around mm -hmm. that, that exhibit and using artifacts and so forth to help tell that story. Well, and one of the things, I, and I'll get to the, uh, to the Grand Rapids African American Museum and Archives, but one of the things that struck me, like, and Kate kind of brought it out when we were talking on Friday, and I got the opportunity to walk through it. I walked in and I was like, hmm, this seems so minimal. I mean, it was kind of like, I, I, first, I'm so used to your guys' exhibits, and, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, the body one is coming up in the fall. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just so, like, there and there's just so much going on and and this one is really kind of what i would call quiet i guess it's very very minimal very quiet you're kind of like hmm but as we walked in it i really just felt there was so much more and in fact nate who was with me said the same thing he's like there is so much here it's unbelievable um that's kind of really amazing. I mean, is that the reaction you're kind of getting with this? It is. It's a, an exhibit where you need to come in and slow down, take your time going through it. There's a lot of information, a lot of places to really um, think and be contemplative about the information that you're reading and how it connects to your, yourself, the community, and even today. So, yeah, it just seems like a really, it's just very powerful. And you talk about those panels, and I think sometimes people think, you know, those little, like, yeah, I don't know what poster-sized panels that people right. put on the wall. This is not poster-sized panels on a wall. This is, what would you describe this? This is like, these are huge. They're huge. They're probably yeah. about six and a half feet tall by, I don't know, six and a half feet wide. And they're slightly curved, so not, not so much uh, two-dimensional. And they're double-sided, and one entire side of each has photographs and facts on it. The other side has more of a narrative text. And um, if you're like to go through things chronologically, there's a way to do that, or you can take in the information, whatever order. But uh, one section of the exhibition from the Smithsonian talks about the Emancipation Proclamation and what led up to that, while the other half jumps forward in history 100 years to the March on Washington and talks about that. So we have brought in artifacts from the Grand Rapids African American Museum, as well as talked with other community members and added other elements into the exhibition as well. So, Dale, can you tell us a little bit about that partnership with the Grand Rapids African American Museum and Archives? So, George Bayard is the founder mm -hmm. and uh, really the director of, of that institution, and he's been a member of our collections committee for years. So, we have a community-based collections committee that really makes the decisions about what we take into our collections, what we loan out, and what are the just loans that we would come into. And, um, and so, there's been just a nice, long partnership and when the George founded uh, the African American Museum uh, we were partners with him in that we've done one other previous uh, uh, exhibit with him on on Rosa Parks and so this is a long-standing relationship that's grown into a bigger relationship now just really between two institutions mm -hmm. are you surprised to have such a resource here like that here I mean you know we have we have the public museum and you guys like knocking out of the park with all the stuff that you guys have and I've been Thank down you. there I know <laughs> it's amazing um, but to have such a, a, a focused resource such as that you know I, 
I didn't grow up here, so I think sometimes I can bring a, a, a perspective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not surprised, I can say. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the Grand Rapids Public Museum ourselves, 98% of what we have, and it's over 250,000 artifacts and specimens, were donated by the people of West Michigan. So there is some, there is a unique and mm-hmm. generous uh, spirit, I think, all people here. And so when George began to look to take things in, I'm not surprised that folks that had, that had artifacts that they may have been saving for years came forward and said, yes, I will, I will donate this for the good of the community, mm-hmm. which is the exact same thing that happened with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell, so tell us a little bit about, I mean, there's some pretty unique pieces in this exhibit as well that came from the African-American Museum and some other resources. Uh, any, any, anything that's a particular favorite for you, Dale? Well, I, I think the slave shackles mm-hmm. uh, are pretty impactful. There's also a, a, a list of, you know, people were property. Mm-hmm. And there's a list of prices that were assigned to various people that were for sale. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about you coming in and slowing down, you've got to slow down enough to look and read that that list. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard to read, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's in this very fancy cursive and so forth. So you've got to, you've got to take take your time. Uh, we've got our own slave receipt that's from our, our collection. Same kind of thing. There's a young girl's name on it. I mean, so these, these things, um, you got to be able to take them in and mm-hmm. as Kate said and you've said you slow down and and let yourselves uh, contemplate yeah about so that not sure how this stuff yeah. will affect you either when you go in and start looking at the exhibit and reading it and there is um, there's a lot of information in there as you were saying but it, it might look like not much when you first walk in but there's there's quite a bit there mm-hmm. well there's a couple of things that you pointed out um, one was that emancipation proclamation that's sit on the wall yeah so part of the collection of the public museum is a a replica of the emancipation proclamation but it is from 1863 and they were sold to raise money for the union army and we have a copy of that that's hanging in the exhibition so while it might not be the actual it is still uh, from the time period and and pretty special as part of that that collection um, the other piece that is very interesting to me within the exhibit is the um, from the African American Museum as well, and it's a list of rules for marchers for the March on Washington. And looking at it and just comparing all the different social movements that are happening today, and in my mind as I'm thinking about it, it was so important that everyone was not violent during the March on Washington. And looking at at the list, and there's a, a set of rules, and it says if if you can't uh, be nonviolent when provoked, uh, it would be better for us if you just not participate. And I just think about all the different things that happen today with um, protests that take a turn for the worse, and um, and it's it's pretty impactful. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, too, and you think about it in that perspective of it's, it's 1963, um, there's telephones, right? They, but there's there's no way to put it on a, a Facebook, you know, moment page or event page. Um, you know, yeah. this is what a lot of phone calling. This is a lot of, okay, can you come? Mm-hmm. This is a lot of carpooling, finding buses, um, getting people down there, and then not only getting them down there, but telling them where to go and mm-hmm. what to do and general location. 
Um, you know, and then and on top of all that, they had the mindset to hand out a piece of paper to everybody and say, these are the rules. Yeah. yeah we, we've actually talked about yeah. this as mm-hmm. just amongst ourselves is, yeah, how, how can you pull off yeah. something this massive without everything that we're used to today? You're right. Telephones and letters. Mm-hmm. It's really about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's incredible itself. And then yeah. just the photos of all the people mm-hmm. on the mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and, uh, pretty amazing, too. Yeah. That's amazing. And getting to the <clears throat> Emancipation Proclamation that went from 1863, mm-hmm. I mean, we think about it now, you know, we say, oh, you know, and I, and I guess I'm thinking of Festival of the Arts and, oh, buy, buy a, you know, a copy of the poster as a collector piece. But think about it. This was going on back then in <laughs> yeah. 1863, you know, buy this as a collector piece. And that's yeah. kind of amazing, too, that this is things that have been, you know, there's other parts of this that are really just very connected to the history of, of what we've been doing throughout. It's kind of like something, it's really not that new in some of the things that we're doing when we look back. Right. You know, I, I read something just last night, mm-hmm. but... You know, it was a little late, so you're going to have to check me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It was an article about a Bible that had belonged to Abraham Lincoln, right? That a, um, how did this go? That So he was, I think it was, he was actually involved with selling himself, mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. got the article right, copies of the Emancipation Proclamation to raise money to take care of injured soldiers from... Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from the Civil War, and in exchange, somebody had given him a Bible. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when he was then, you know, as part of this, so he had it. It was it was his it was his Bible, mm-hmm. right? And he had it for the last couple of years, if I remember it right, in his administration, because he began to to go to the Bible, and look at Scripture as a ways to help make sense of himself, of what was going on in the nation, and how people reacted, and mm-hmm. how they behaved, and so forth, and then. Um, Mary Todd Lincoln, his widow, gave it to a neighbor. And the neighbor's family had kept it mm-hmm. for all these years and then has finally then given it to the Abraham Lincoln um, Museum in, in Illinois. But the point is, is that he, you know, the yeah. thing that struck me is, well, they were selling copies of the Emancipation <laughs> Pro, just like we yeah. got one, yep. right? It's the <laughs> yeah. same sort of a thing. They were used to help raise. And I think it yeah. was done for the, ours was for the same thing it too, was, was yeah. to benefit uh, benefit injured injured veterans. So it's that, this was not, an uncommon thing mm-hmm. is yeah. what I learned just yesterday. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sorry. And so you got the Emancipation Proclamation to help injured veterans or no, you're talking the copy, the, the copy, copy that we have was sold and the money was raised then to help injured veterans. Mm-hmm. And Abraham Lincoln was involved in the very same, oh my gosh. same okay. you know, uh, you know, action himself helping mm-hmm. to raise money. I see. Right. I see. By by being involved in selling these Emancipation Proclamation copies, mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States, uh-huh. is out yeah. helping to raise money Amazing. for. Uh, if I got the facts right out of the article, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I bet yeah. you probably did because he, yeah. I, from everything that I've read about him, he was pretty much a humanitarian. I mean, he yeah. was, he was very it seemed like it. Mm-hmm. It seemed very very much like that. So. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing that this exhibit has has done for me, and I I hope that others. You know, we want to maybe encourage you to take it places, do some of your own research and, mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And years ago, there was an interview on 60 Minutes. In my mind, it was Mike Wallace. It could have been one of the others. But was asking then outgoing President Bill Clinton, what's the one book mm-hmm. you would suggest that George W. Mm-hmm. Bush read? Mm-hmm. And he said the bi- a biography of Abraham Lincoln by David Herbert Donald. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I went out and bought the book and read it, and I've had it for years. 
And with this exhibit coming in, I went back and then did some of my own research about the Emancipation Proclamation and the view of President Lincoln at the time. Because Congress was actually passing laws, mm-hmm. you know, working and passing laws to, to free the slaves. And the president did not believe that he had the constitutional, or that Congress had the constitutional authority to, uh, to regulate personal property within the states. Mm-hmm. And as I thought about that, you know, yeah, there's no 14th Amendment at this point. Mm-hmm. Right? The 14th Amendment came after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So I think he was probably right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was convinced that under the president's war powers, mm-hmm. he did have that authority in those states that were in rebellion. And then that, so he felt he had the stronger, at least, and I'm taking this from, mm-hmm. from, from the book, and I, I, I'm agreeing with what, of course, is in the, is, is in the book, that then that, was, then that would provide the strongest legal authority mm-hmm. by which the president could act to free, to free the slaves. Mm-hmm. So that was just mm-hmm. another nice to go through and get that piece of history and then come to the, the March on Washington. And mm-hmm. then, of course, it was then the Supreme Court decisions really beginning with Brown versus Board in 54 yeah. and Gideon versus Wainwright in Map in Ohio, Map versus Ohio going in the 60s, that then applied due process and equal protections of the laws to the states, then that was the legal protection for the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act to be enforced nationwide. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this exhibit brought these two things together a hundred years apart, there's a mm-hmm. bigger connection mm-hmm. to yeah. me than just what, what first appears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting. We keep, and and I too did not realize until I walked in there that they were a hundred years apart. And I looked at the two dates, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my. And then I kind of thought, I wonder what's going to happen in twenty sixty three. Now it kind of makes me like, hmm. So kind of like that, you know, you think for it. But curiously, I mean, how relevant do you feel this exhibit is today for our community? Well, part of what is inside the exhibition are leaders from within uh, the Grand Rapids and West Michigan community talking about how they feel the exhibit, um, specifically Emancipation Proclamation and the March on Washington are relevant in West Michigan today. And so it's it has been interesting to hear from our local leaders about that um, in all different facets of the community. For example, we have um, Ron Yab, who's um, the head of the um, Band of Ottawa Indians, who talks about his experiences in the 60s with this. And then we have um, George Bayard, who's talking about his experiences, and Ellen James, and being involved in local civil rights. And so it's really interesting to go back and listen to all of our leaders talk about their experiences and then apply it into your own self as you're going through. And um, for me, I, again, I make those connections to what, how the past influences the present and what's happening today what's happening with other social movements that are connected um, to all of this as well. We are also asking people if they want to write down their, mm-hmm. some thoughts. We'll copy those and put those into the archives. And we're also happy to work with folks if they want to give us oral statements that we'll yeah. also record and make those available online through our, through our, our archives. Mm. The, yeah. the other piece I like to put in to this, if, if I may, is, um, you know, and this, this is a part that I... I felt strongly about for this exhibit is we have a great big photo of Martin Luther King at Cobo Arena. Oh, I remember I, my dad told me about this because he yeah. was there. Yep. Oh, he was there. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So that is where the I Have a Dream f- speech was first delivered. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So is there a local connection? Well, there is one definitely to the state of Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he had delivered it two months later. He's in Washington. And then we know from a lot of things that have been written, it was Mahalia Jackson that called out to Martin Luther King you know, when he was going through his prepared marks. Mm-hmm. Martin, tell him about the dream. Because mm-hmm. she knew that that had existed before. Mm-hmm. And then the, there is, we have a, a resource, one of the resource books by uh, Clarence Jones, who was one of the people involved with writing the speech with Martin Luther King, relays in that book. He heard Mahalia mm-hmm. Jackson, pushed his speech aside. Mm-hmm. And Clarence Jones, he grabbed the sides of the podium and said the people there <laughs> didn't know, but they were about ready to go to church. <laughs> and the rest of the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. was Martin Luther King being Martin Luther King and essentially mm-hmm. delivering the I Have a Dream speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because after seeing the exhibit over the weekend, um, I would ask people, you know, did you know, have you ever heard that, you know, the I Dream, the I Dream, uh, I Have a Dream speech, that he did it at Cobo Hall? And if somebody would say yes, I would say, oh, really? And they'd go, yeah, well, I'm from the Detroit area or I'm from. Okay. So people in the area knew it, no. but people who were like mm-hmm. on the west of the state were not really aware of that. Yeah. So I kind of did my own little <laughs> survey great. thing just to check it out, just to see. <clears throat> because yeah. I always thought, I truly thought everybody knew. I never yeah. really thought that that was something that people didn't know. So that was mm-hmm. kind of an interesting. So what was shared with you then about, because you. My father was an electrician in the Detroit area. Yeah. And he, he was, he did work in Cobo Hall. And so he would come in and out and he remembered, yeah. you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah he was there That's when, amazing. when, when Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. came in yeah. and he knew that, and it was in the paper that that was right. the speech that he gave. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. was kind of around there. And my parents lived right in downtown Detroit. Um, okay. I was sharing with um, yeah. Kate earlier. Um, Latin Friday that my parents only lived a few blocks away from the 1967 riots yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So they lived right in downtown Detroit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just these things that mm-hmm. I just yeah. thought was common knowledge because it was that, you know, my dad, yeah, I remember studying it in school. My dad goes, oh yeah, he gave that at Cobo Hall. And at the time I thought it was, he gave it to Washington and then he repeated it at Cobo yeah. Hall. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I learned <laughs> later, no, he gave it at Cobo Hall. And then I thought, oh, it was just a speech that he gave everywhere. And I didn't understand, you know, it mm-hmm. took me a long time to figure out, no, that he gave it at Cobo Hall. And a lot of us like from Detroit, that's kind of our impression is that, Oh well, you know, he gave it there. He gave it here. He gave it. You know, it's like we didn't realize, you know, that this was. You know, we just thought this was a speech he just consistently gave over, and we didn't realize that it wasn't. So it's kind of one of those things that we really had to learn that. So it's kind of fun. So, but um, going now, is it in your the phone ones that you have are the the, the live interviews which you can pick up the phone and yeah. listen to. Isn't there one where it's a young girl who actually rode the train down with Martin? Do you have that one? No, so. that must have been no. the one I was talking to George about. Yeah, and said he said that. So. Yeah, we so. have. Um, that's the beauty of the exhibition is that aside from the the pieces that have been um, given to us by the American Library Association, the rest of the exhibit was. Um, built and designed by the folks at the public museum with um with george and the african-american museum so we have flexibility Mm -hmm. if anybody that's listening wants to share their story in the exhibit and record how they feel um emancipation proclamation and the march on washington are are here in west michigan today the influences and um as dale mentioned the share your story piece is very powerful and just walking through the exhibit I try to walk in once a week and check out what people have put up there before uh, Alex, our chief curator, takes them to scan them into the um, into the database. But 
some really powerful stuff. And so it's constantly changing, and we hope that if anybody has anything that they want to contribute to the exhibit, that we're open to that. And that's that's the beauty of having designed it mm-hmm. ourselves. Can we talk about Mosaic a little bit, maybe? Yeah, maybe, I was going to mention you've got yeah. Some, yeah, a few community partners yeah. and some really cool, cool things. Really cool stuff. So um, this week, our summer camp started at the Public Museum, and as part of our partnerships with this exhibition, working with uh, Mosaic Film Experience to um, have, we have 14 students who are working on videos that will go in the exhibition. And uh, we just uh, we just had a chance to view some of their early work um, a couple of days ago. And what Mosaic is doing with the students in the museum and chatting with people about their experiences related to the exhibition is phenomenal. They'll be taking oral histories of um, people within the community that um, are related to the civil rights movements. And um, these videos will be shown in the exhibition, but the students are getting all of this experience of interviewing and filmmaking all through Mosaic right inside the public museum. So we're, we're pretty excited to, to be partners with them for that, mm-hmm. that piece. And that's going to result in a film. It will. That will be part of the exhibit. It will, yeah. Correct. And before the film is edited and ready to go, once the students finish up um, at the end of this week, we will um, have their uh, raw footage Mm -hmm. to be able to show as well and how they, the um, Mosaic folks have been actually filming the students doing the filming. So we've got a lot of documentation around the project itself and it's really come together quite nicely. Mm -hmm. So it's only been a couple days, but has it been pretty powerful for what you've seen so far? Absolutely. And the kids are really engaged. It's a great way to get them Mm -hmm. um, interested. Uh, through both filmmaking and history. Are you seeing a lot of conversation then, and a lot of just talking? Absolutely. For the exhibit, I would say, in addition to the the group with Mosaic, but even just folks going into the exhibit, and maybe they knew that it was at the museum, and they, they came specifically to see it, or they just walk in and didn't realize when they were there maybe to see something else for the day. And going in and take a second and say, oh, Spend a lot more time in there than um, than maybe they thought mm-hmm. they would. Mm-hmm. Now, the Mosaic project isn't the only project that That's you're correct. Yeah. Uh, community project that you're doing. I believe you're doing something called I Am Westside. We are. We're working partnering with uh, Westside Collaborative mm-hmm. uh, to create I Am Westside videos. So Westside Collaborative is working on an initiative to have individuals talk about what it means to be a Westsider. Mm-hmm. And so we're partnering with them both for this exhibit and our upcoming Maker Fair in August. And um, they'll be recording these videos during our Maker Fair. They'll have a mobile trailer set up outside the museum for folks to come in and talk about what it means to be from the west side. And then we will, um, once they have all their videos compiled, we'll have a special opening of those videos um, for West Side Collaborative, hosted in conjunction, and then they'll be part of the exhibition as well. Mm-hmm. Now, this exhibit, I understand, is part of the regular admission fee. It is. To, yeah. to go. And of course, we were talking about earlier, due to the millage, yep. Kent County residents have, get a reduced fee yeah. to get in. And that's what I can't, I can't remember. It's $5 for adults, uh, free for kids 17 and under. So mm-hmm. really affordable. And um, seniors only $3. So thanks to the millage and to our sponsors, we can make this exhibit uh, included with mm-hmm. that admission. Mm-hmm. So cool. That's good. Is there anything else with the exhibit at all? Any other parts of the exhibit? Um, oh, let's. There is one thing I wanted to talk about, and we didn't talk about this when we were when I saw you because I saw it afterwards. But you have the really cool board 
at the very end, right after mm-hmm. the Martin Luther King photo, of just where to connect to get yeah. more information. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. Um, and I was, I'm sure you're looking for more people, if there's more partnerships mm-hmm. or anything yes. that people want to Absolutely. include with this. So a big part of the exhibit mm-hmm. is um, it will affect different people very differently. So mm-hmm. some people may want to uh, read a little bit more about the topics, mm-hmm. may want to listen to a podcast, watch a movie, read a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people may want to get involved and mm-hmm. go to see another exhibit in another museum. So we have resources that we've begun to compile um, throughout the exhibit that are related and are always looking for new resources that might be out there. Mm-hmm. And additionally, if there's anyone that might be listening and is hearing about the exhibit, um, in addition to coming down and checking it out, let us know if there's anything that we can do in terms of hosting uh, an event, meeting, etc. cetera. Uh, we have space for that mm-hmm. at the museum as well. But the thing that impressed me most were the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are some of, some of those books I hadn't seen in a long, long time. That, I mean, and there's so many books out of there. Um, it's amazing. Those books are incredible collection. And that's all from your guys' collection, I understand, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, yeah, and that's right coming in. Yeah, right. I didn't even notice yeah. it when I came in, but when I came out, I was sitting there flipping through the books. That's really cool. Yeah. So, a lot of great stuff. So, well, any, um, can I get some final thoughts on the exhibit itself? On, oh, before I forget, I did want to mention, too, that the Grand Rapids African American Museum and Archives, they have a coinciding exhibit Correct. at the Correct. same time. Um, so, they have, and I understand they will, after this weekend, we'll have the two quilts back up, mm-hmm. which is the one on the March for Washington, and the actually um, Underground Railroad quilt, which is, I understand, fairly phenomenal to see and and to to check out. So they will have those up along with the other artifacts that they have at the museum. So... um, Really, very cool. Very nice tie-in. Yeah, and it's a nice, a nice walk between the two. It is. It's a beautiful walk, if we can get some sun. Yeah. We don't care about the humidity or the heat. We just want no. sun. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. So yeah. yeah. So, but any final thoughts, Dale, on the exhibit itself? A uh, reason for people to come and check it out? Yeah, I, I, I think. You mentioned it before with the passage of, of the millage. It's, it's given us some uh, freedom, if you will, to do, to do things that um, may have been challenging before. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to present something like this that, um, say, when you first look at it, there is that minimalist uh, feel to it. Mm-hmm. But it, it is something that um, it's, it, it's high mission to me. It is mm-hmm. really high mission because it, it, it really gets into history and culture uh, in a deep way, yeah. and, um, and and so I'm I'm proud of the institution mm-hmm. for doing this. I'm I'm proud of how we've we, we've partnered, and I, I think it has become in the last few years for sure, uh, be, are really part of our own DNA. I think that the days mm-hmm. certainly for our museum and you know of museums having to have all the resources be the final answer inside those are gone. Um, but that's good, and that then you need to connect with the community, and there's plenty of experts out there that are happy to share, mm-hmm. particularly in West Michigan. We come together for the good of the community, mm-hmm. and we want to share. Mm-hmm. And so that allows that, 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 those kind of connections to, uh, to happen. And um, I think the result is actually stronger, mm-hmm. stronger than it would, would have been before. And uh, if, if we can lead you, particularly with this exhibit, but all, to ask yourself, what's the next best question? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're not necessarily trying to present an answer. Mm-hmm. We're trying to present facts and, and things in a thought-provoking way to 
allow you to take in and and do your own thinking and analyzing and what's the next best question. And I think this exhibit and the community partnerships and so forth is, is really taking that to a, a high level. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Kate, yeah, absolutely. Fun? Well, as Dale mentioned, this exhibit is um, a little bit different than some of the other exhibits that we've done in the past, and I think that's what makes it special. Um, it's, uh, it is high mission and it is um, bringing in just a, a totally different subject and um, themes and everything into the museum and that's what that's what we're all about Mm -hmm. and uh, so we're happy to host it and it's it's an exhibit similar to others that we've designed uh, internally recently that's for the community and by the community truly Great. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to say, put out a plug that you've got lots of exciting things coming up in the fall. Toys is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to check out that life-size battleship game, as we've talked about in the past. So there's just lots going on at the at the museum. Even if there's not any sun, there's lots going on there. So Absolutely. It's always dry inside. Yeah. That's right. It's always <laughs> dry inside. Well, thanks. I want to thank Grand Rapids Public Museum President and CEO Dale Robertson for being here, along with Vice President of Marketing and PR, Kate Kaczynski uh, for being here as well. Um, Really appreciate you guys taking some time out of your busy schedules for the show. Um, This has been Locally Entertaining, and I'm your host, Joanne Bailey-Borsma.